The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vaches. I don't have to show you any stinking vaches. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's hour two of the Chris Salcedo Show. Joined now by the uh, the Blaze Morning Show host, Doc Thompson. Hey, how Doc, you doing? how are how you, you doing, buddy? What's going on? How you doing? Uh, well, what's going on? What is it? I mean, uh, give me your initial reaction. The first, first thing that you thought of when you found out that, that North Korea has, the, has successfully, according to a Washington Post story and our intelligence agencies, and I have to stipulate, if true, if true, that they can miniaturize a nuclear weapon and put it on a warhead. My my heart skipped a beat. Um, it's done that several times because I think we're heading toward an inevitable confrontation with North Korea. Um, a lot of people know that listen to the Morning Blaze. My wife is Korean. She was born in Korea. All of her family is there. Um, and I, I worry about them. Her grandmother, her uncles on both sides, most of her family is there. So I worry about them. Both sides. Yeah, they're they're all there. They're either in Seoul or, or east of Seoul. Um, the one her mother's side of the family has property that's very close to the DMZ. Uh, that's where they believe. live. Now, that was going to be my next question. How close to the DMZ? Right and, there. And, and you know exactly what's at stake there. If if bullets start flying or missiles start flying, then just with conventional weaponry, we're looking at a loss of life that is going to be catastrophic. Yeah, we've we've run the scenarios, and again, <clears throat> the information is you're right. If if light if true, what we know is 60 nuclear warheads that are now small enough to top the missiles. That's been There have been several linchpins to this whole thing. There's been, right. can a missile reach the U.S.? Um, can we get a nuclear warhead that works, or can they? Number And then three, can they make it small enough to put on top of one of those missiles? It looks like we're there and possibly the tune of 60. So, if, Well, there's a fourth, yeah, too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the reentry. Uh, they need to have the heat shield sufficient enough to protect right. the warhead as the, as the missile completes its arc and mm-hmm. comes back down through the atmosphere because it gets very hot there on that nose right. cone. So, and, and the last long-range missile test that they did, uh, the, uh, the ICBM capable of hitting the United States, the nose cone didn't fare so well. So once they lick that problem, and we're talking a, a matter of months. Months. It's very close. Could be weeks. And, and maybe they already have. But here's the thing. Even if that's not the case, we are still looking at a very dangerous North Korea. Uh, people don't realize the amount of artillery they have just on the other side of the DMZ is in the thousands. Yeah. They, could, they could level Seoul many times over. And in Seoul is tens of thousands of Americans. You've got American troops there. You've got Japan that isn't that far away, and they're also an ally. And, if and American troops. And American troops. And even if you're somebody that, you know, you're in, you're in rural America, and you're like, well, Doc, that sucks, and I don't want to see anybody lose their life, but at least it's not here. Here's what you need to realize, that in the best-case scenario of some sort of conflict where any loss of life is over there and, and minor, you're still looking at two of the world's largest economies in North South Korea and Japan that will likely cause a significant drop in our economy. It's going to well, be, it, it could be catastrophic. It will we, likely be worse than 2008. Oh, absolutely. And we were talking about j- those two uh, uh, countries aside, the, the, the mass human wave that will be exiting off the peninsula into China Horrible. China is a communist country. Their their command economy cannot withstand 
hundreds of thousands of people streaming across that border, and it will be an economic catastrophe again for China, which is another one of the world's largest economies. Yep. And so, so this, there is no good scenario here. So, and, and let me see if you agree because I posited this in the first hour. The only way out of this, in my view, is if Russia, China, and the United States move military forces and surround North Korea and say, "Give it up. It's over. It's done." There, there is a. I agree with you. There is a, a one possibility, and it's still not great. It just maybe staves off the inevitable, and that is if we end up in some sort of for lack of a better explanation or description, uh, Cold War with North Korea, where it's that mutual assured destruction standoff. It's very different than what we went through during the Cold War with the Soviet Union and the mutual assured destruction there. But it could be something like that. But that it really is just delaying the inevitable. Right. And again, we know their pattern. North Koreans blackmail. They, they'll, they'll want money. They'll want support from the international community. And there will be a lot of folks out there who will look to the United States to pay it. But that's, this is exactly how we got into this situation to begin with. Well, and, For, yeah, and, you, and you're right about that. But you got to remember something. Kim Jong-un is, and we've been studying him quite a bit, is different than his father, Kim Jong-il. And Kim Il-sung, his grandfather, he, he's much more like. His grandfather, remember, came to power in North Korea through force. He is literally like a god to those people. He's he's a deity. That's how they have brainwashed them for many generations. Wow. But he was a guy who took by force. It was it was primarily stick no carrot. Kim Jong Il, Kim Jong Un's father, he was carrot and stick. And there's this whole system. Yeah, he beat the people down, he tortured them, but his was manipulate the world community by threatening them. He was not as aggressive as his father. His son is much more like the grandfather. I don't think that he's somebody who just is going to get the nuclear weapon and then say, gimme, 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 you know, free stuff and aid and all this. I don't think so. I think he's the one, because he believes his own press, is one who starts threatening with them. I'm taking things, not give me because of them. Yeah, well, the problem is he doesn't have a navy. (laughs) And the problem problem is it's the, it's the peninsula, and the only land uh, option that he has is to is to go up through China, and China's not going to allow that, allow that for a moment. True, but they're, what, they're, true, they're, but, if they march on South Korea, that's about the only thing they could do to unify the Koreas. True, but what they do have is a massive cyber warfare network. I mean, they are one of the the biggest in in the world at this point, especially for a country as closed off and as backwards and as powerless as they have been. I mean, they haven't been able to feed their people. But they have invested deep into cyber warfare. They would probably be one of the top five or ten in the world. Now, of course, America is probably number one. Well, let me um, let me Russia's let me put you too. Mm-hmm. let me put you in a scenario. You mm-hmm. are one of the president's generals. He's sitting down, and he's sitting you down in a room, and he's saying, "Okay, what are our options? Or uh, do, you know what 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 can we do here? What are you telling him?" Number one, I would say, Mr. President, North Korea is way too dangerous at this point to to deal with but mr president they're way too dangerous to not deal with and that's where you're at so we have to do something that's something and and we don't know all of our capabilities i would hope we have some sort of significant cyber warfare if we have any type of emp that could take out any of their artillery along you know the the dmz there would would be our first two options but it has to be military precision one two three four it would have to be 
cyber warfare and an EMP that would do as much damage to their military as possible. We would likely have some sort of special forces as well that would also help take out any of their um, nuclear capabilities and also their um, their anti-aircraft uh, missiles. Yeah. And those would likely be done with um, our stealth fighters, our and, stealth bombers, excuse me. Yeah, and if I'm in there, I'm saying, Mr. President, it is. it would be... You go big or you don't do it. Exactly. It would be catastrophic for this nation to get a nuclear weapon. The United States cannot allow uh, a web, a fully functioning weapons program to be possessed by a madman. And he is a madman because that brings a nuclear threat to this doorstep, according to the latest intelligence I've seen uh, reported out there, that almost all of the United States is in range. And if, if, if a missile can strike the United States... Uh, to a guy that's crazy uh, and doesn't care whether or not his people, you know, die in a hail of fiery atoms, that is that is unacceptable, and and, and that's that's where he is different from the former Soviet Union and the mad, the mad tactics, a mutually assured destruction tactics. I think it's, sir, we we there, there is no good option, but there is no way they can be allowed, and I think he he develops this, it it signals that that a conflict is imminent. Yeah, we we have to go big or we don't do it. There's no there's no little messing around, blowing no. some stuff up, bombing them. We have to and we're talking regime change. It's not just take out all the, you know, the the uh, artillery, take out all the bomb um, um, nuclear sites, any of that stuff. It's also regime change on top of it. So then you have to say best case scenario when that happens is the the loss of life into the tens of thousands 20,000 30,000 something like this of south koreans americans possibly some japanese as well then what does regime change look like what what do we do there we going to prop up somebody else that's already in north korea one of the generals or somebody they're all bat crap crazy i, I you know what i don't know that anything remains standing in or you know again and especially if he's crazy enough to fire or light one of those off uh, then you have to it, you have to remember something about the people of north korea and if you've read any books about any of the people who've escaped from from North Korea, they they have been brainwashed to a way we can't even understand. Let me give you an example. One of the books I read about um, uh, a girl who escaped from North Korea and finally made her way to South Korea with her with her sister and mother after nine years getting stuck in China and raped and this goes on and on. She said after she got to South Korea and they have a reunification program where they keep you isolated for months and they start telling you the truth. You know, hey, North Korea is not the center of the universe. And they start telling you all these truths. She said it took her, you know, months and months to to realize all of the lies. And she said she hated all the lies and everything she had been through and the administrator, the um, the regimes there. And then Kim Jong Il died and she saw the news and all of a sudden she noticed she was she was crying. This is somebody she hated when she found out the truth. And she still was crying because somewhere deep inside of her at her earliest memory was a a deity like love for Kim Jong Il and Kim Jong Un and uh, Kim Il Sung. That's that's what we're talking about. You would have to go through three, four generations of reality before that country would be right again. That's Stockholm Syndrome exactly. to, the, to the nth degree. Hey, Doc, appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the uh, the analysis on this breaking news, folks. In case you're just joining us here on the Blaze Radio Network, North Korea, it is being reported, has the ability to miniaturize a nuclear weapon and place it on top of an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile, and that changes this uh, this whole scenario big time. Doc, thank you very much. Morning Blaze tomorrow. I'm sure you guys are going to be talking about it. All right, be right back, folks. It's Chris Alcedo's show here on The Blaze. Telling the truth. It's
it's one of those jobs American liberals won't do. That's why we need the liberty-loving Latino Chris Salcedo. The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, folks, here's how the rest of the show is going to play out. Uh, we've got Congressman Michael McCall, an interview that he uh, he taped with us earlier in the day. And because of the breaking news, after that interview runs at the bottom of the hour, because there's updated information, he will join us live here on the Blaze Radio Network. We were able to get him to to bend his schedule and give us five minutes to comment only on the North Korea situation. So... Uh, that is what is in the game plan for the remainder of the program on the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. So you guys will hear what we talked about with the broader discussion, and then uh, we'll get specific live uh, coming up toward the end of the program. Let me do a little politicking here before we, uh, before we get hot and heavy back into foreign policy, because that is the big story of the day. But all of this does, uh, shall we say, uh, merge in part and parcel with with the politics discussion uh the republican party is not unified washington is not unified and i don't know that a nuclear threat from north korea is even enough to get some of these partisans out of their anti-trump stupor and uh, i don't even know if it's enough to get these republicans to get busy and get and get to work. The GOP had pledged to do big things, you remember, back in January. We have ambitious goals and ambitious timelines. Our goal is to get these laws done in 2017. We aspire to get most of these big things done by the August recess because that's when Congress does most of its legislating. Now, he was standing there, was the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, with Mitch McConnell. Now, I've been a little uh, rough on Republicans and I've not been very specific and that that may be to my detriment or to your detriment because if I want to give credit let's give credit where credit is due and Fox News Channel reported on this yesterday a top House Republican pointed out to me today the House has passed a repeal and replace measure a bill to rebuild the military and an illegal immigration crackdown called Kate's Law among others but it's the Senate where these important measures are getting stuck. Right. So of the two big agenda items, tax reform and the repeal and replace, even if it's in name only, was done by the Republican House. The Senate did nothing and the Senate didn't and the House didn't do tax reform. So maybe I should refine the discussion to say that. It is Senate Republicans who are incapable of governing. Uh, Charles Krauthammer giving his impression yesterday on Fox. The fact is that the Congress has been a complete bust. And that, I think, is a huge disappointment. Here they are. They've been saying for seven years, give us control. Give us the signature in the White House. We will do great things. And on the great things, they did nothing. The Obamacare repeal was an epic fail. 
They had seven years to work it out. And for some of the senators, it was a matter of bad faith. Bad faith. That means uh, they lied. And of course, the one who you think of most prominently is is the liar, John McCain. Who uh, I think there was a promo running the Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly nailed it perfectly. I think we talked about it here on the Chris Salcedo show that uh, John McCain screwed the country just to stick it to Donald Trump. And uh, in my mind, it makes him even smaller than I've considered him before. When they had a vote to repeal, knowing that Obama wouldn't sign, they voted to repeal. When they had the same vote to repeal, knowing that uh, President Trump would sign, they voted the other way. That, I think, is going to be a big millstone around the neck of the Congress for a very long time. Or the Senate. At least the Senate. And definitely around the liars. Uh, Murkowski, McCain, Shelley Moore Capito, Rob Portman. Um, I know I'm missing somebody else. I would say Collins, but Collins has always been a leftist. She's a, she's a consistent leftist. Uh, Jason Chaffetz was talking about the Senate's failure today, too. Listen, to You this. have the debt ceiling. There's not a Republican on the planet that wants to raise the debt ceiling. And when you fail on health care and you're on vacation We're not right very now. confident in the Congress right and then, now. And you've got to pass a budget. Uh, and then you've also got to put this tax in reform. place. Oh, yeah. A little thing called tax reform. I mean, I cannot believe the United States Senate. Mitch McConnell in July went before the American people and said, there's so much on our plate. We're going to stay in August and work. Only to pull that back, too. They're supposed to be in session this sure. week. But they're not. After they fail. After they Congress, your former uh, job, they look bad, particularly the Senate. Hey, I didn't leave Congress because I was tired of winning. Wow. I didn't leave Congress because I was tired of winning. A lot of people are being driven from office, those with a conscience, I guess, because they're disgusted with, you know, what, what, what is John McCain's excuse? Well, well, even though the Democrats stabbed us in the back, we got to give them the chance. They screwed it up. We got to give them a chance to fix it. (laughs) John McCain, uh, distinguished in uniform, a disgrace in the Senate. Let's get out to Nebraska. Hey, Rocky, thank you for waiting. Glad you made it here to the Chris Alcedo Show. Hey, Chris. How are you today? Doing well, sir. Uh, A little concerned about what's happening in North Korea? Me too, exactly. Um, I just wanted to build upon uh, what you and Doc and uh, Scott from Massachusetts were talking about. You talked about that the, uh, the missiles and the nuclear warheads are the two pieces of the puzzle that are there that uh, they're able to reach our, our, our territory and that we need to be afraid that they haven't developed the... Uh, the nose cone protection for a reentry vehicle. But um, I've believed for about two decades now that the next time that nuclear warheads are going to be used in a war, that it's going to be for an EMP strike. And for an EMP strike, you explode that vehicle at the apathy, at the highest point. Well, or yeah, so, or or you know, to where you would be able to get uh, the electromagnetic magnetic pulse would do the most damage in a significant radius. Hey, Rocky, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm up against the clock here. 
Uh, listen in, Rocky. Michael McCall is on next. We'll have him taped and then live on the Chris Salcedo Show. Be right back. The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show. Saturday was a huge um, win for the United States. It was a huge win for the United Nations. It was not a good day for North Korea. And basically what you saw was all the countries come together and say, this has got to stop. This is not something that we think can be reckless and just casually dealt with. And that's what he's done. And I think they hit him and, and basically we hit him hard. It was really me saying how many more ICBM tests do we need to have before we do something? Good. And at what point are we going to show action? And really that goes back to what we've tried to do at the United Nations, which is stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. Let's get something done. And so last Monday, I, I basically told the Security Council, we've talked enough. It's time to get this done. That there's Ambassador Nikki Haley, U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, and basically marking a a changing of the guard where the United States of America is once again not going to put up with tyrants and despots. Uh, Quite a change from the Obama administration, wouldn't you say? Let's talk about it with Congressman Michael McCall from the 10th District. In the great state of Texas, Congressman McCall is a chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security. is the author of the book, Failures of Imagination, The Deadliest Threats to Our Homeland and How to Thwart Them. Congressman, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. North Korea sanctions. Uh, this, was, this was somewhat of a, I don't want to call it a coup, but a, a very a good feather in the Trump administration's cap to get a 15 to nothing vote to, uh, to impose these sanctions uh, in the U.N. Security Council. Oh, it was, it was a huge uh, deal that I don't think the uh, administration has gotten enough credit for. It was a 15 to zero vote in the United Nations, uh, including China, uh, which Chris was, I think, very surprising because China uh, typically aligns itself with North Korea and Russia. Uh, you know, we just sanctioned them, the Congress, uh, both Iran, North Korea, and Russia, but they they went with us on this one. I think they all recognize what a existential threat North Korea plays with respect to its new ICBM capability and, and nuclear uh, uh, devices. Yeah, and the reaction from North Korea, of course, was to uh, put out a lot of bluster out there, saying they're going to strike the right. United States uh, with uh, a thousandfold, I believe, was something close to the quote. And then China, even though they voted in the affirmative, they, you know, it's still a communist nation, and they had to send some sort of signal that they were still with the North Koreans, so they called us arrogant. Mm-hmm. How much of this, in your mind, is, is posturing, and how much of it is, uh, is something we should take seriously? Well, I think, uh, I think we should take North Korea's threat seriously. It can reach uh, mainland uh, United States now, and so um, uh, these, these new uh, ICBM capabilities they have – um, but I think that, um, you know, I think the proof's going to be in the pudding. This thing did pass unanimously, uh, but let's see how it's carried out. And uh, I think that's something we're going to be keeping a close eye on is are these sanctions really going to be fully implemented? Because they're, they're very, um, very tough sanctions that will cost uh, the North Koreans, you know, probably about a billion dollars in exports. And um, uh, it's all their major, I think about a third of their economy. That would be impacted by these sanctions, and so 
Um, I think it's in the implementation that, that that's what we're going to be watching next. Yeah, you mentioned uh, U.S. sanctions. So let's go out of the United Nations and back to the U.S. sanctions bill you guys passed. And I, I don't I know what motivated the Democrat, your Democrat colleagues in, in their vote. But yeah. uh, I think a vast majority of Republicans uh, learned the lesson from when the George W. Bush administration had negotiated sanctions on Iran. And just as soon as they had started to bite, uh, Obama unilaterally relieved those sanctions, undermining everything that uh, th- that the Congress had worked for. Was that the reason why you wanted to tie this president's hands on uh, being able to unilaterally lift sanctions. And again, this this was on Iran, North Korea, and Russia. Well, I think it's for any future administration. I think Congress asserting its Article One authority under the Constitution. We don't want to see the sanctions we pass just roll back uh, in a moment of weakness. They're put in place for a reason. That's to give us strong diplomatic leverage. Um, and the other option is military. If you, that's always the last option. But I think. Um, we don't like it when we pass these things. And then, as you mentioned, Obama just scaled back not only Iran, but scaled back North Korea's sanctions, which then led to their the current state that we're in right now, which is, is quite a predicament if you look at it. There's no easy way out of this thing, but we got to put all the pressure we can uh, to get them to the point. And I think China voting yes on this was very significant because they have the most leverage uh, over North Korea. Yeah, I get the sense that not even Russia or China want the crazy fat kid to get functional nukes. I just, that's just that's just my impression. Uh, Congressman Michael McCall is my yeah he is my guest right now, folks. Tenth District in the great state of Texas, the chairman of the House uh, Committee on Homeland Security. Uh, let's switch back here to uh, uh, domestic politics and this crackdown by the by the Trump administration on sanctuary cities. The vast majority of the country saying Hallelujah! Finally, somebody is enforcing law. After eight years of an administration that didn't care for enforcing these laws, Chicago and other left-wing cities right here in our state, as a matter of fact, pushing back, saying that they shouldn't be made to follow federal immigration law. What do you say to them, Congressman? Well, I was a federal prosecutor, and anytime we had a ICE detainer on somebody, we expected the state and locals to comply with that ICE detainer and, and detain that person till the federal until ICE could pick them up. And all we're saying, and we passed the sanctuary city's bill in the house and uh, we'll see what happens in the senate but um all we're really saying is you know if you comply with federal law enforcement and federal law uh, then you you can qualify for grants if you don't comply with federal law enforcement and and um you know federal law then you're not qualified for federal grants i think it's a pretty simple basic premise and this is a very dangerous community that's out there we've seen this ms-13 gangs you know we just had a recent arrest in houston of an MS-13 guy uh, that was posed a, a real serious danger to the community. And these are the people that we need to detain, comply with federal law enforcement, and get off the streets and, and get them out of this country. Yeah. And you've got Sally Hernandez down in Travis County, who is uh, who is oh, who in the state. Of, I, I, every single time I say her name to a Republican, you see, folks, the collective eye roll happens because this woman is letting out uh, illegal alien felons to plague American citizens. And that's that's a bad deal. By the way, you have a border bill uh, that is, now it, it, when is that going to get uh, voted upon or has it already been voted upon? No, I introduced it right before the August recess and Chairman uh, the judiciary Bob Goodlatte also introduced his um, interior enforcement. We had a great op-ed in foxnews.com. I'd encourage everybody to read it. 
uh, talking about these two bills. Um, my bill deals with the border itself. And in, in the bill, we authorize the border wall. Uh, we authorize $15 billion to uh, build uh, tactical infrastructure, technology, um, fencing, air assets, uh, and wall, and also uh, secure ports of entry. We put more boots on the ground by adding 5,000 Border Patrol agents and 5,000 CBP officers. We also uh, deploy the National Guard and reimburse. This is important for the state of Texas because we have uh, spent so much money in the state uh, on this issue when it's really a federal issue. And so my bill would authorize um, monies for reimbursement to, to states like Texas that have called out for the National Guard to help uh, secure the border. Uh, and two more points, it targets visa overstays. Mm-hmm. Now, the majority of illegals in the country came in legally. They just overstayed their uh, visa. That's about 50%. And then finally, we support local law enforcement and the uh, sheriffs on the border through a grant program. Well, uh, that that uh, is a, a bill that uh, will, will probably get through the House. But mm-hmm. let me ask you, because a lot of folks I talk to behind the scenes are expressing some frustration with the the Senate's inability to govern um, because they a lot of these bills that pass out of the House that they get they get defeated in the Senate. Are are you frustrated with with uh, the slow pace here of, of accomplishments, Congressman? Absolutely. I mean, I'm you know back home uh, on the Harris County side of my district, and um, people are really um, they said, "Look, we gave you the keys to the car," and um, he haven't done anything with it. And so, as you know, we passed out of the House. We did our job. We passed the American Health Care Act. We repealed and replaced Obamacare. And then we saw the fiasco in the Senate when John McCain brought the whole thing down. And um, very, very frustrating uh, because we know we have a little a window of opportunity to get this done, to get our agenda done. And that first piece got shot down the last week we were up there. I couldn't be more frustrated than anyone. Uh, else, yeah. and I hope uh, we can revisit that, put it back on the floor, uh, that would on be... the Senate floor, and pass it. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, a lot of the Senate uh, uh, Republicans are signaling that they want to move on from health care, which would be a disaster. Congressman Michael McCall, everybody, 10th District here in the great state of Texas. Always appreciate the conversation, sir, on the Chris Salcedo Show. No, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's how it went earlier today on uh, an earlier version of the Chris Salcedo Show. We'll get Michael McCall live to react to the breaking news miniaturized nuclear capability for the North Koreans. It's a game changer. We'll talk to him live coming up next on the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. It's not just a show. It's a movement. Join the swarm. Twitter hashtag Salcedo Swarm. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, folks, we're waiting to make a connection with Congressman Michael McCall, chairman of the Homeland Security Committee. Uh, in the meantime, there's some sad breaking news I wanted to pass on to you. For those of you who know the name Glenn Campbell, uh, Rhinestone Cowboy, Gentle on My Mind, uh, those types of songs, uh, country music artist and star uh, has passed away. 
I believe he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and went on tour and played as as long as he possibly could. Uh, Glenn Campbell died uh, today at 81 years of age. Guys, do we have uh, the congressman yet? Okay, just wanted to make sure. Uh, I I got a yes in my I got a yes in my uh, ear. Didn't know if that oh, oh, it was Parkinson's, not Alzheimer's. Okay. All right. Anyway, that's uh, that's what uh, Glenn Campbell was afflicted with. So uh, he has passed away, age of eighty-one. A very sad day. He, uh, for those of you who don't know his music, it's it's classical stuff. Um, Southern Nights, another good tune from from Glenn Campbell. Rhinestone Cowboy, I believe, too was was his. Uh, telephone number is triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Uh, the breaking news that we're going to be speaking with Michael McCall, if time permits, about is the revelation that was released in the pages of the New York Times, or or the Washington Post. It was the Washington Post today. That uh, the regime in North Korea has successfully tested a miniaturized nuclear device. And why is this important? It's important because you can fit on the tip of an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile. Uh, miniaturized nuclear weaponry. Basically, this, if true, would catapult North Korea dangerously close to being a full-fledged nuclear power. And that would spell disaster for we here in the United States as this rogue regime has pledged to light up one of our cities with a nuclear weapon. And that is uh, wholly unacceptable. The President of the United States speaking on this earlier upon hearing the news. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power the likes of which this world has never seen before. And the ramifications of that, ladies and gentlemen, and all the chess pieces that are on the board right now are problematic for everyone who's involved. The 15 countries that just passed sanctions on North Korea, the principal other nuclear powers in the, uh, around the globe, uh, the Russians, we here in the United States, and the Chinese, and those with the most influence. And the ability to do harm North Korea, that's us and China. And if a nuclear war does break out, I shouldn't say nuclear war, if a war does break out, because I, I don't know that Kim Jong-un would lead with a nuclear, a nuclear weapon. But if war does break out, uh, it, will, it will be catastrophic on the Korean peninsula, both, both North and South. And it will also be catastrophic for China as the wave of humanity that will stream over their border will be very crippling to the Chinese economy. Uh, guys, how much time do we have left before we have to, uh, to scoot for the day? All right, we got about a minute left, so hopefully we'll hear from... Uh, if we get Michael McCall on, we'll only be able to get him on for a few seconds uh, to at least give a statement. If not, then we'll, uh, we'll try to hook up with him at, at another time. Uh, this this is going to be, ladies and gentlemen, a uh, a very testy couple of days to where we see this all shake out. The best case scenario is a universal condemnation that if if China decides to take the lead 
and decides to to reign in North Korea, then we may have a shot at getting out of this without having to fire any shots. But absent that strong and definitive statement and action by the People's Republic of China, the United States will be forced. We'll have no other choice because we now have a responsible administration in place. We'll have no other choice. There is no way that an American administration can allow North Korea to become a nuclear power. It is, it is catastrophic if that were to happen. And it cannot, and I believe it will not, with the current leadership we have in place, will not be allowed. And if North Korea forces our hand, and I think the Chinese know this, if the North Koreans force our hand, we will act. And you know what? North Korea is going to lose. South Korea is going to lose. Possibly Japan. And so will China. Remember, everybody, society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. See you guys tomorrow. The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.